this week, uh, I was reading about some church signs. It is amazing what people name their churches. I'm going to show you some signs, hopefully. We had some gremlins in the machine the first hour and didn't get to see them, but uh, hopefully we got those out. And I want you to see, these are all actual church signs. None of these were photoshopped or made up, all right? The first one is the Flippin' Church of God. This is, now, this is from Flippin', Missouri, but somebody in the first service told me there's a Flippin' Kentucky, too. But this, this, this particular sign is in Flippin', Missouri. Or what about this one? Boring United Methodist Church. Now, it's, or, I mean, that's in, the first one was Flippin', Arkansas. This is Boring, Missouri, actually, all right? Some of you said, I visited that church. Boring, yeah. What about Halfway Baptist Church? Now, this is, this is in Halfway, Missouri, but Halfway, Missouri is all, halfway is all one word. Notice they've split it in the name of the church. I think they probably did it on purpose. Yeah, here, here at Halfway Baptist Church, we do stuff halfway. I mean, that's kind of what that implies. And, and then I was amazed at how many Little Hope Baptist churches there are. These are, these are all signs from... Can you imagine, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to Little Hope. That, that sounds real encouraging. Makes your guest friends want to come with you, right? I need a little bit of hope. Yeah, not a lot, just a little. Um, this one's probably my favorite because it was the longest. The Greater Macedonia Fire Baptized Holiness Church of God of the Americas. Where do you go to church? I go to that church. That's all I'm saying. It's Wilmington, North Carolina. Now, have to get in a little international flavor in Nigeria. I'm guessing only in Africa they would name their church this. Run for your life international chapel. <laughs> Where do you go to church? I go to run for your life. That, you know, it doesn't inspire folks. But all of these strange signs, they pale in comparison to one that I'm amazed that so many it's not just one church, but so many churches choose this for their name. Corinth. Corinth Baptist Church, to me, is the strangest name of any church I've ever heard. I'm going to tell you why here in just a minute. I used to pastor over in South Carolina, and we had Corinth in our association. We had Corinth number one and Corinth number two. There used to just be one Corinth, but they got mad at each other and split, and they both wanted the name, so we had Corinth number one, Corinth number two, and that's how everybody referred to them. But why would you name, if you know anything about the church at Corinth in the New Testament, why would you choose that for your name? I mean, Corinth has a good story. The Apostle Paul, about 51 AD, visited there, and he spent about 18 months there, and it was a, it was a melting pot of cultures, and, and there were... Um, uh, there were te temples to different goddesses and, and uh, all kinds of faith. There were cultic prostitutes in, in town, at least over a thousand, it's estimated. All kinds of immorality. And, and in those 18 months, Paul was able to lead several Corinthian people to, to faith in Christ and to start a church. Now, the letters that he wrote to the church at Corinth, he addresses some of the problems that they were having, some of the issues that they were face, that they faced. For instance, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 1, he talks about how they are divided as a church. Not a good thing for a church to be divided. He said, some of you are of Paul, and some are of Cephas, and some are of Apollos. 
they, they couldn't decide who they wanted to follow. And he said, just follow the Lord Jesus. They had sexual sin in their church. I believe it's in chapter 5, there was a man who was living with his uh, stepmother, sleeping with his stepmother, and Paul had to address that. Um, they were making a mockery of the Lord's Supper. They were getting drunk during the supper. They, they, they would actually eat a meal, and some of them would eat before the others got there. Um, they were eating food dedicated to idols, and Paul had to excuse me, deal with that. Some denied the resurrection. That's over in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, listen, if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then, man, what, what we're doing is, is useless. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then just close up shop. Let's go home. Let's spend Sunday mornings at home. That's why I'm amazed that somebody would choose the name Corinth. The first 11 chapters, Paul deals with these carnal issues. In chapter 12, he begins to deal with some of the spiritual issues that were facing the church. We're in a new series today entitled My New Life. My New Life. And, and, and we're going to be dealing with answering the question, now that we are saved, what should we be doing since we're believers. If you if you've visited out on our new website and you've looked at our beliefs, you know that it, it really tells everybody who visits there who we are as a church and what we stand for. We have a vision statement, a mission statement. Eastwood Baptist Church exists to. Why, why are we here? We believe we are here for this reason. To develop relationships to impact people with biblical answers to life's challenges. Develop intentionality. We, we, listen, we develop relationships not just so we can have friends. We develop relationships with those outside of the church. Why? So that we can impact their life. Everybody has life's challenges, and we want to impact them with biblical answers. We believe that all of the answers to life's problems are right here. With biblical answers to life's challenges. We, we, um, we have a 3G strategy. We, we want everybody to give one hour in each of these three areas. We gather in worship for an hour. We, we grow in small groups, Bible study groups, for an hour, and then we go in service for an hour. We think we ought to be given those three hours every week of every year. We value the power of God's Word, the pursuit of life transformation, missional living, and authentic relationships. But, but this series deals with our measures. We taught you those, those other things early last year, but we didn't teach through our measures. In other words, how do we measure? How do we know if we're being successful if we're giving evidence of being mature disciples. That's what we hope to answer through this series. It's in 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 3, verse 4. God is speaking to the, young, to the young boy Samuel, and he keeps going into Eli the priest. He thinks it's Eli that's calling him. Finally, Eli tells him it's probably God, and, and so he makes this statement. Little Samuel says, Here I am, Lord. Here I am. And we believe that as, as believers, that's what we should be doing. Daily, we should be presenting our lives to the Lord. Here I am, Lord. And so we took the name Samuel, each of those letters, and we ask a question in regards to a measure. How are we doing in growing disciples? And so we're going to take them in the order, and I'm not going to tell you where you are in your discipleship based on your answers to these questions over the next six weeks. You're going to determine where am I in the disciple process. Am I, am I a disciple, or am I not following the way that I should? So the S, the S for Samuel, stands for spiritual gifts. Am I using my spiritual gifts? That's the question that is asked in our measures. And so the first thing that we're going to ask you today to determine 
where you are in the discipling process is are you using your spiritual gifts do you know what they are and if you do are you using them take your bible first corinthians chapter 12 first corinthians chapter 12 one of the uh, the most thorough passages on spiritual giftedness i want to read the first 11 verses invite you to stand to honor the reading of the word of god now concerning spiritual gifts brethren i do not want you to be ignorant you know that you were gentiles carried away to those to these dumb idols however you were led therefore i make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of god calls jesus accursed and no one can say that jesus is lord except by the holy spirit there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit there are differences of ministries but the same lord and there are diversities of activities but it's the same god who works all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to to another different kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but one in the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills god bless the ring of his word go ahead and be seated you know there are days when i have multiple committee meetings and i'll just be honest with you multiple committee meetings is draining it is and and there are days when i have multiple counseling appointments and that can be draining as well why why is that why would i say that is it because of the committees is it because of the people i'm counseling no it has nothing to do with that it's because like to, for instance to to be a committee person you typically have the gift of administration to do counseling you typically have the gift of mercy you have to have the gift of mercy to be a good counselor and when i take spiritual gift inventories i don't score high either in administration or mercy the second one i know comes as a shock to you right i, I no, i just don't but i can come in and i can preach on sunday morning twice 9 30 11 o'clock back when we first started the second campus i would go over there and preach and then come here and preach twice we were still having sunday night service and, and i would preach four times on sunday and it didn't bother me at all why because i was using my spiritual gift and that energizes you when you use your spiritual gift in a ministry that gift was intended for see i have the spiritual gift of prophecy now what that means is i can't foretell the future like the prophet of yesteryear what that the spiritual gift of prophecy is being able to take the word of god and foretelling in other words explain it so that people can understand it and apply it then to their life and and so i come in here and this is in my sweet spot this is in my wheelhouse i'm utilizing my spiritual gift in the way that it was intended to be utilized and so it's not draining at all See, if, if you use your gift in an area that it's not intended, you'll get tired, you'll get frustrated. Um, but if you're using it in a way that it is intended, it'll bring you joy, it'll bring you excitement. Let's talk about three things this morning in answering the question, am I using my spiritual gift? The first one is the understanding of spiritual gifts. We need to understand spiritual 
a few things about spiritual gifts. You know, um, the Olympics happen every four years. I love watching the Olympics. And it used to be that you would compete in more than one kind of event, but, but now, even though some people compete in more than one event, they're typically in the same vein. For instance, you ever seen a shot putter? I mean, those guys look like fire hydrants. I mean, they are big and they are strong and they got muscle upon muscle. Can you imagine a, a shot putter that also wanted to enter, enter the 100 meters? Probably not going to do so well. Why? Because he's built like a shot putter. He's not built like a sprinter. Or in the Winter Olympics, can you imagine an ice dancer who says, I'm going to take up ski jumping? You know, that's probably not going to end well for them because that's not the way, they, that's not the way they've trained. With spiritual gifts, we, we have spiritual gifts and we are to use them in specialties, in, in ways that God has intended them. No member possesses all spiritual gifts. That means we can't perform every area of ministry, but we all do have a gift. I believe that every gift that is needed for Eastwood Baptist Church to function as a church is already in the church. It's just a matter of answering the question, are we using those spiritual gifts? It could be that we're weak in areas because people who have giftedness that would work in that area are not using their spiritual gifts. So the first point about understanding this is they are spiritual, not material. You know, we just had Christmas and we opened up a bunch of gifts. And when we think of the word gift, we think of something you can hold, something that is tangible. When the Bible speaks about spiritual gifts, it's not material, it is spiritual in nature. It is given to us by the Holy Spirit of the living God. Another thing, it's not a, it is a supernatural ability, not a natural ability. Let me say that again. It is supernatural. It's not a natural talent. It is a supernatural talent that has been gifted to us by God. For instance, we got a lot of gifted singers here. I, I'm amazed for a church our size, the number of people that we have that can sing solos, Brother Dane. I mean, we just, we just have a lot of gifted people, okay? But friend, those are natural talents. They, they were born with the ability to sing. They had to develop it, but that is a natural talent that they have, all right? That, that's, not a, that's not a spiritual gift. That's utilizing a natural talent to the glory of God. You know, Michael Buble could be here and he could outsing most of us, but that's not a supernatural gift. That is a talent that he has developed. A spiritual gift is a supernatural talent that God blesses us with. Another thing, spiritual gifts bring energy to the church. They energize the church. When Jesus took on flesh, he had eyes and ears and arms and legs and kidneys and a heart and lungs he had everything that you and i have all right the church is called the body of christ and so god uses our spiritual gifts in the body of christ to perform different functions for instance some are the legs what do legs do they take you places right you know i i think of of perry and amanda they are some of the legs in the body of Christ because they have taken the gospel to the ends of the earth. They have carried the gospel out of this place to another place. We've got a lot of people like that. All right? Some people are the arms. These are the people that are gifted in service. And, and you know, they, they don't want to be out front, but man, they, if there's something that needs to be done behind the scenes, they just do it. They, they help people with their hands. Uh, they want to reach out and touch people. They visit people. Some people are gifted in different areas and fall into different parts of the body of christ but this isn't a, this isn't a trick question who is the head of the church jesus right 
Doesn't the, doesn't the scripture teach that? The book of Ephesians says he is the head of the church. Now, if Jesus is the head, that means he's got the brains, right? The brains aren't found in the foot, they're found in the head. If he's the brains, that means he's the one giving direction to the rest of the body. For instance, I'm holding up my right hand because my brain is communicating with my hand and it's saying, hold it up. If my brain wasn't telling my right hand to be held up, that right hand wouldn't be up in the air right now. Jesus being the mind, being the brains behind the operation, if we don't do what he gives us instruction to do, we are handicapping, we are hurting the body of Christ. We're not doing what, if we're not using our spiritual gifts, we are hindering the body. Just out of curiosity, do we have any ministers here this morning? Any ministers? I, I know, I, I saw one person in the balcony got it. Listen, friend, if you are a child of God, you have a spiritual gift, and the reason you have that spiritual gift is to minister to others in the body of Christ. So let me ask you again. We have any ministers here this morning? Everybody who's saved ought to raise their hand. Because you are. That's why you are gifted. Let's talk secondly about the utilization of the various gifts. If you're spirit-filled, you will utilize at least one gift in the church. Look at verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Why? For the profit of all. All right? To each one. Some of you think, man, when God was handing out spiritual gifts, he skipped me. He just skipped right over me. I didn't get one. No, you did get one. You may not know what it is. It may be lying dormant in your life, but you have it. And why do you have it? He says there in verse 7, for the profit of all. In other words, your gift should benefit the church the same way my gift should benefit the church. All of us should utilize our gifts in a way that the church goes forward. Now, when do we get spiritual gifts? Well, let me back up. When did you get natural talents? At birth, right? You have to develop those talents, but you got that talent at birth. You get a spiritual gift, or at least one, at new birth. When you're born again, when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, when you ask Jesus to be your Savior and come into your life, He does so in the form of the Holy Spirit of God, and He then gives you at least one spiritual gift. That's when it happens, at birth. It's not something you have to ask for. It happens at birth. You remember taking, those of you who are parents, you remember taking little Bubba home from the hospital? I mean, he's born and he's like eight pounds. You carry him out in that little thing. How many of you let Bubba drive home at that age? No, I didn't think so. We don't do that. But Bubba had all of the muscles and all of the mind that he was ever going to have in order to be able to drive. When he became 16, he didn't go to the doctor and say, now I need you to put in the parts that I'll need in order to be able to drive. He, he developed those over those 16 years. But he had it all already. Okay? And so in using our spiritual gifts, we have them. We just have to develop them and use them in a way that glorifies God. He says in verse 4, there are diversities. Of gifts in other words we all have them they're different kinds we use them in service and the word gifts there's a greek word charismaton it's rooted in the word charis which means grace in other words a spiritual gift is a grace gift do you remember the difference between grace and mercy 
Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. That's why Ephesians 2 says we are saved by grace. We don't deserve it, but we get it. And mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. We don't go to hell because of God's mercy. And so when he gives us spiritual grace gifts, we don't deserve them. He just gives them to us. There's a lot of words that, um, that from the ancient Greek didn't carry over to modern Greek today. And one of the words that did carry over is the Greek word charismaton, this, this grace gift idea. If, you go, if you're in Greece and you go to somebody's birthday party and you take them a gift, they would call that gift charismaton. It is a grace gift. You're giving it to them. They don't necessarily deserve it. It's not that they've earned it. It's not payment. It's just something out of the goodness of your heart. And so that's what a spiritual gift is, something that God blesses us with. And then he says in verse 5, differences of ministries. He's talking about the same word. The word there, though, for ministries is diakonoi. We get our word deacon there. What does a deacon do? A deacon serves the body of Christ. And so our spiritual gifts are for service. And then he says in verse 6, diversities of activities. And the word activity there is energia. Sounds like our what? energy in other words we are energized the church is energized when spiritual gifts are used but in verses four five and six in verse four he says the same spirit verse five the same lord verse six it is the same god who works all in all now why does he stress why does he stress that same spirit same lord same god See, God reveals himself in, in his triune nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the way that he expresses himself as Father and the way that he expresses himself as Son, the way that he expresses himself as Holy Spirit is different. There is diversity, but there is great unity in that diversity. So Paul is stressing here that when we use our spiritual gifts, there's diversity, but there is great unity with that diversity. Can you imagine if... Um, how boring the church would be if everybody had the same spiritual gift I do. I mean, nobody would want to listen. We'd all be saying, it's my turn to preach. No, it's my turn. To, you preached last week. You preached last month. We, we'd all be wanting to do that if everybody had the spiritual I'm Listen, I'm glad not everybody has the spiritual, same spiritual gifts because I know which ones I don't have and I need you in those areas. And, and you need me. See, we're not competing when we have spiritual gifts. We are complementing. We are cooperating together as we work together. You know, I say this with all honesty. There are people at Eastwood that can teach better than I can teach. They know more about teaching, and they are more effective at teaching than I am. I get that. And I'm not jealous about that one bit. Why? Because God gifted, he gave them a spiritual gift of being able to teach and they used that for his glory and I'm glad they're here. I'd rather have them use this gift, their gift here than someplace else. We're not competing against one another. You know, in that word charismaton, we get our word charismatic from it and we, we often, when we talk about charismatics, we use it in a negative sense. But in the Bible, the word charismatic is a good word. It is. It's this idea of being gifted. And then the word diakonoi, referring to spiritual gifts, is talking about using them to serve and then energize. Let me show you how they cooperate. One of, one of my dear friends went to be with the Lord a few weeks ago. Don Metter. He used to love to go eat breakfast with Brother Don. He loved to eat, and I loved to eat, and we were a good team. 
And uh, he went to Asia with me several times, well into his 70s, and he would be going across the globe to tell college kids about Jesus. And uh, when we used to have Sunday night, he would sit right over there, and he would bring Brother Stanford Murphy with him. Brother Murphy pastored Baptist churches for over 50 years. But at the end of his life, Brother Murphy was blind. And so Don was his eyes. Don would drive him to church. And I talked to Don about their friendship, and, and he said, you know, he can't see, so I bring him to church, and then when we leave, he helps me understand the Scriptures. He talks to me about the Scriptures, and he would give him insight, spiritual insight into the Scriptures. That's called a symbiotic relationship when, when it is mutually beneficial. All right? That's how spiritual gifts work. All right? He was, he was the physical sight. Brother, Brother Murphy was the spiritual insight, and the two of them worked well together when we use our spiritual gifts that's what happens they complement one another it is a symbiotic relationship everybody benefits when we use our giftedness so it's imperative that you find out what your gift is and then you utilize it and that leads third to the use of spiritual gifts in the life of the believer we will use spiritual gifts to serve one another if we're spirit-filled now there's a lot of confusion over gifts today a lot of confusion about gifts. There are people that think you get a spiritual gift for your enjoyment. No. Friend, you are given a spiritual gift for your employment. To put you to work. It's not for you to enjoy. It's for you to, to work, to serve. That's why there's danger in the more supernatural type gifts like tongues. There are some people who want the gift of tongues, and there, there are some who teach that tongues is the proof of your salvation. There's only one problem with that idea that tongues is proof of your salvation. It's not in the Bible. Other than that, it's okay. Somebody tells you that tongues is proof of your salvation, just smile at them and say, show me in the Word of God. They can't, all right? But, but, but they, they say that because they, they want that enjoyment and that's not why God gives gifts. It's not for evidence. It's not for enjoyment. It's for employment. You know, I enjoy preaching. I've told you that. I, I enjoy doing this, but, but I don't do this on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights because I enjoy it. Let me say that again. I enjoy preaching, but I don't do it because I enjoy it. I do it because God has gifted me and called me to do it. See, when, when I got saved at the age of 17, I had no clue what spiritual gifts were. I, I didn't have any concept. I, I didn't even know there were spiritual gifts. It's not like when I got saved, I just said, hey, God, give me the gift of prophecy. See, because God gave me that gift, and I think he did so for a few reasons, one of which was humor. I think God found it funny to give me the gift of prophecy because I hated preachers. I mean, I did. I didn't want to go to church because I thought they were boring. Nobody testify. All right? I did, and God gave me that gift, and I think part, you know, he knew what he had called me to do, but I think, I think he got a chuckle out of giving me that gift, knowing that what I would ultimately do with that gift would be the very thing that I didn't like. I use the gift because that's my way of serving the body of Christ. That's my way to work in the body. And these gifts are given not by selection, but by sovereignty. Look at verse 11. 
One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as what? What's it say in verse 11? He wills. See, you don't get to pick your... A lot of people want to, they, they read about the spiritual gift of wisdom or the gift of faith, and, and, and it's kind of like reading a, a restaurant menu. They look at the spiritual gifts list and they say, you know, I want some of that. I want to order, I want to order some spiritual gift of wisdom, or I want to order the spiritual gift of faith. It doesn't work that way. According to verse 11, the Holy Spirit gives you gifts as He wills. We don't get to pick them. It's sovereignty, not selection, is how they come about. It's not up to you or me. Look at verse 31. We didn't read this, but I want you to see it. He says, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, there's a problem here. I, I just told you that we're not supposed to seek, that they come by selection, and yet he says, earnestly desire the best gifts. What's going on? In chapter 14 is the only comparison of gifts. And the Apostle Paul compares the gifts of tongues and prophecy. Because they had tongues running rampant. They thought that that was what it was all about. It was all about tongues. And Paul compares the two and he says prophecy is more important. And what he's telling them as a church, listen, if you've got all these people speaking in tongues, you better find you a pastor. You better find you somebody who can come in and teach the word of God to you so that you really understand what you're to be and to do. That's why he says desire. He's writing to the church, and he tells them pray and seek the better gifts. So, so what are the gifts? Well, I just told you. Now, we can't seek to avoid a gift either. You know, we can't say, well, you know, God, I really don't want that one. I'll take any of the others, but, you know, there's a couple that, that I don't necessarily want. No, he gives us, he determines. Verses 8 through 10 is one list of gifts. You drop down to verse 28. God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. It's another list. God has appointed. You go to Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, another gift list. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, another gift list. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, another list. Now, what's interesting about these lists, some gifts appear in every single list. And some gifts are only found in one list now as best i can tell in looking at all of the lists, there's 18 spiritual gifts does that mean there's only 18 spiritual gifts i don't know i'm not going to box god in god can do what god wants to do if god wants to give a gift that's not in the list that's up to him but for me to add to the gift list would be adding to the word of god and that's not my job my job is just to tell you what the word of god says and so best i know there are 18 spiritual gifts and everybody has at least one of them. You need to know the difference between gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. A gift is something that the Lord just blesses you with to use in the body of Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit, whereas we don't have all of the gifts, nobody has all of the gifts, we should have all of the, the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence of the Holy Spirit living in us. You remember Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit is peace, love, joy, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You know, those are things that ought to be evident in the life of a believer who's walking with the Lord the way they should be walking. So we can have all of the fruit, but yet one or two of the gifts. 
You know, imagine that, that I had a table up here, and I had a waffle iron, I had a curling iron, I had a Keurig, and I had a toaster. They all have different functions, right? I mean, you're not going to make a waffle with your Keurig. If, if so, you're going to buy a new Keurig if you try, all right? They all have different functions, but here's the thing. They all run by the same power. Got to be plugged in to make them work. Friend, we all have different gifts, but we are all powered by the same power, and that's the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't use what we're created to do. Gifts are given for one of two reasons. Take your Bible quickly and just turn to Romans 12. I just want to show it to you, and then I'll be done. Romans 12. Some gifts, you see, you have a spiritual gift for one of two reasons. Some of the gifts God gives are for inward enrichment, for enriching the body of Christ inwardly, helping this the church. Look at verse 6, Romans 12. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. We could go on. All of the gifts in verses 6 and 7 are used for enriching inwardly the body of Christ. Prophecy. Preaching. You know, I know there are street preachers, but that's the exception, not the norm. Okay, most of the time preaching is for the body of Christ, for the church. And so that's, every pastor I know has to score pretty high in the gift of prophecy. That, that may not be their primary gift, but I'm telling you, it's one of their strong gifts. The word exhortation there is the word that we would use for evangelists. All right, evangelism. Some people w want to say, well, I'm not sure that I have that gift. We're going to talk about that in just a second, but I, but I want you to understand it's, it's a gift, and yet it's not. You know, I've, I've learned that preaching, when I preach, I've learned that it's a calling, and pastoring is a gift. Preaching is a calling, pastoring is a gift. If I try to pastor, man, I, could, I can preach, that's no problem, but if I try to pastor without being gifted by God to pastor, I'll go crazy. So it's inward enrichment and then the second group are for outward expansion verse 8 outward expansion he who exhorts in exhortation he who gives with liberality he who leads with diligence he who shows mercy with cheerfulness these gifts are for the church to go outward to go out and to bring others in for instance exhortation i told you that that was our word for evangelism some people like the they see that that's a spiritual gift and they say well you know I don't have to share my faith because I don't have the gift of evangelism. You may not have the gift of evangelism, but we are all called to be evangelists. We're all called to share our faith. Let me, let me show you the gift of evangelism. Over in Alcoa, Tennessee, when I was pastoring over there, there was, a, there was an evangelist that grew up in the church named Henry Lingenfelter. And folks were always after me to have Brother Henry in, so I finally invited him in. The revival's going to start on a Sunday morning. And he started preaching, and, and we got about 10 minutes into the sermon, and I thought, oh, Lord, what have I done? I mean, I, I know I've been there. It, it didn't seem like he could preach his way out of a wet paper sack. I mean, it, it was just, I wasn't tracking with him, and I thought, oh, man, and we got this through Wednesday. 
we got to the invitation and brother henry extended the invitation eight people got saved that reminded me of a couple things one is god says it's not by might or by power but by my spirit says the lord and brother henry had the unique gift of evangelist the unique gift of, of evangelism he could draw the net I couldn't, but he could. Those people that got saved, most of them had been there listening to me preach in weeks past. But God uniquely gifted him to use that. Or, or when it comes to giving, some people say, well, I don't have the gift of giving, so I don't have to give. No, there's a difference. We are all called to give, all right? But some people have the gift of giving. You know, they'll take their shirt off their back and give it to you. They, they give to those outside the church when they see a need. They give to the ministry of the church so the church can exercise ministries they just have a, a the ability to take their resources and to see ways that they can use those resources for the glory of god i've known people like that they, they just have the gift of giving or the gift of mercy everybody should have mercy every one of us should have compassion and care and concern but if you have the gift of mercy you're probably going to be involved in counseling you're going to be involved in in ministry um, you're going to be involved in visiting people, in benevolence. Why? Because you have the gift of mercy. So some are for enrichment to build the body up, and, and some then are for expression to send the body out, to extend or expand. I just want to read to you one of the lists. It's in Ephesians 4. He, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ now you may not realize this but according to that passage as pastor i'm a gift to the church now some of you are saying man we got fruitcake this christmas but he says there very clearly that he gave some gifts to be apostles and prophets, pastors and teachers, evangelists. The church, see, here, here's why I'm here. I'm not here to do the work of the ministry. Now, I share my faith, I give, I, I visit. Why? Because I'm a believer, not because I'm a pastor. My job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. I'm the under-shepherd. Let me explain it to you in the way that Jesus talked about shepherds and sheep. I'm the under-shepherd, and the role of the shepherd is to lead the sheep, but only sheep can reproduce other sheep. You understand that? The shepherd's not going to breed. He's, he's not going to breed a sheep. He's going to breed children. Sheep breed other sheep. They produce other sheep. Now, that doesn't mean you do it all by yourself because I'm, also, I'm, I'm the under-shepherd, but I'm also a sheep. Jesus being the great shepherd. And so my job is to reproduce other sheep just like you. Our first measure of whether we're, we're successful in discipleship or not, whether you're where God wants you to be in your walk with Christ, is are you using your spiritual gifts? If you don't know what they are, you're not using them. And maybe you do know what they are, but you're still not using them. They're laying dormant. Either way, if that's how you answer that question, that's not a good measure. That's not a successful measure. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts. I pray that we would be found faithful to use our gifts in a way that would glorify you. God, during this time of invitation, I pray that we would respond to your Spirit's call upon our lives. Help us to be obedient now. Help us do exactly what your Spirit tells us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's only one way today, if you're here and you do not have a spiritual gift. Only one. 